Hello and welcome to another The Relaunch Podcast. And today's show, I got to tell you, when I first met this guy, he warmed my heart, not just with what he's going to do for us today, but the stories and overall, just, you know, when you meet just a really amazing person and you have that connection, well, Today, I'm going to bring this gentleman to you, and his name is Dave Combs. And, you know, here's the thing, another, before we, before I dive into a lot of wonderfulness of him, he has, he has shown over and over, not just because he has been 40 plus years Uh, in the business has written over 120 songs and created 15 albums of soothing, relaxing, instrumental piano music, including the popular um, Rachel song, which I think we might even get to hear a little of today. But you know, he's one of those gentlemen that he's the epitome of classy, just the, the guy that warms your heart. He knows how to put into what people want to hear to make them feel good. Because he's a songwriter, he's an entrepreneur, he's a successful business executive and a best-selling author. And so today you're going to get such a special treat to meet somebody that has been in the industry for, you know, like I said, over 40 plus years. And now he's going to share what is, what literally brought tears to my eyes, everyone. He's going to, he's going to share his major relaunch story. You're listening to The Relaunch Podcast, and I'm your host, Hilary DeCesar, best-selling author, speaker, and transformational coach widely recognized in the worlds of neuropsychology and business launches, which cultivated the one and only 3HQ method, helping midlife women, yep, that's me too, Rebuild a life of purpose, possibility, and inspiring business ventures. Each week, we'll be diving into the stories that brought upon the most inspirational relaunches while sharing the methods and the secrets that they learned along the way so that you too can have not just an ordinary relaunch, but an extraordinary relaunch. Dave, welcome to the podcast show and welcome, welcome. And thank you for being here and being a part of today's episode. Well, Hillary, wow. What, what, what a warm introduction. I, I wonder what, who is she talking about here? <laughs> <laughs> oh my, that was a very sweet introduction. Thank you so much. And it's a real pleasure to finally get to, to have this set up. I know both of us had some scheduling issues and whatever, but now here we are. And now here we are. And sometimes, you know, those, those relaunches and so many people know that I've been through some pretty heavy duty relaunches over the last uh, few weeks with uh, the most significant being my dad's passing. And we've been scheduled on every single one of those major days. I have to fly back home. I have to do this. And I'm like, oh my God, is is this going to happen? And finally, it's like, I, I almost am like, you know, I, I feel, I feel that sense of like tingling, you know, that I'm like, yes, this is this, we're doing this. Finally, we're, we're here. We're doing, this is real. <laughs> this is real. Yes, exactly. So Dave, help, help the people that are listening, understand your journey and your most significant relaunch. 
Well, I will, I'll give you the, the 10,000 feet view first because you know, I, I want to put it in, in, in context because I've been around on this planet a pretty long time and I've seen a lot. And so I, I have a, a career that started out with a Fortune 500 company in technology. I got my math degree in physics, minor in college, and started my career out as, a, they called it a computer programmer back then. Today, you would call it information technology, whatever. <laughs> but I stayed my whole career within that company. It was Western Electric, which is uh, was a subsidiary of the Bell System. They, we were the manufacturing arm of the Bell System. We had a big factory right where you are today in Denver. We had a great big factory there in Denver. And so I was, that was my day job. And that was my kind of my dream job too, because I studied to be that, that technical career. But at the same time, music was always a part of my life from the time I was born, because I was born in a musical, into a musical family. My mother and father both played the piano. My grandmother Combs, she played the, she was born in 1894 before electricity was even widely distributed. So she could play the old pump organ with, you know, where you pumped it with your feet and played it. And then she had another instrument, which for those of you watching, this is my granny Combs's auto harp. She it's called an otter harp. Auto harp. A U T O harp. A U T O harp. So you and can it's, use this, everyone, if you're not following us on YouTube. This thing you, is so great. Late 1800s. Yeah, and this this instrument is my granny's auto harp that she passed on to me when she when she passed on. I have a note here that I found in the box, or my my uncle, my, her son, found it in the box and says. This harp belongs to David Combs and signed it Granny Estelle Combs. So that's my that is my inheritance, one of my most cherished inheritance from my granny, because every time I pick this instrument up and every time I strum it, I can hear my granny singing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. And she could just make that thing talk. She played it a lot more fancy than I just did there. Hey, but. You're going to bring tears to my eyes. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. And I know this is a tender time for you. And I, oh I apologize. God, that was the song that they played on the way when they took him out of the house. But oh, my God. Oh, dear. Oh, I'm so I didn't mean I did not I'm mean to trigger it. those. No, I'm keeping it together. And when I first heard about your granny, I thought about my my grandma who passed away six years ago at 105. And I love those. I love these stories. So this is terrific. Yeah. And thank you for thank you for um, strumming that right there. Well, you're welcome and bless you anyway. I, my heart goes out to you. And but anyway, so music was a big part of my life. And so being around my granny and my mother and father and at, at church and being from Tennessee, I'm a Tennessee, I'm from East Tennessee. Now that's where, you know, Dolly Parton is from East Tennessee. Tennessee Ernie Ford was from Bristol, which is about 40 miles from my hometown in Irwin. A lot of music comes out of Tennessee. In fact, by the way, Dolly, Dolly is one of my absolute favorite. She favorite. Is, I mean, I still sing the stuff. To I, the I dearly love my wife, Linda, but I have to say I also love Dolly. I mean, she is just I such a lovable her. person. In fact, Linda and I both love Dolly Parton. She is a dear, dear person. And I love her singing. I love her 
her personality, her her attitude of giving. Oh, my goodness, at the millions of books that she's provided to young kids through her foundation. It just goes on and on what Miss Dolly has done through Dollywood and everything that she's given back to the whole world, really. Well, so I'm from East Tennessee, and I think it is a state law in Tennessee that you must play an instrument to be a state citizen. <laughs> I think everybody in Tennessee is supposed to play something. So I grew up in music, and that was always just part of my everyday life. And as part of my career, you, your, your, your podcast is all about the relaunch. Well, I launched my career, first career, at Western Electric in technology. And along comes a song in 1981, when I'm 33 years old, that I play on the piano. I did not sit down to, I promise you, I did not sit down to write it. I sat down at my piano and I played this song. It came to me. I just played. I didn't even think about it. 31 years old. But what was going on in your life when you played this song? Because this song ended up being the most incredible like hit. And you have such a cute story about when you first heard it and all that when it became really big. But what what was going through? What was happening in your life? that you would all of a sudden have this just come through you. I still am amazed by it. Well, and I, I again, I don't want to bring tears to your eyes, but. It, oh, go ahead. Was, I've already got them. You might as well. This, this, this was in January of 1981. On December 22nd, 1980, three days before Christmas, my father was killed in a tragic car accident. So I lost my father that just before I wrote Rachel's song. And I really, you know, I express my feelings through my music. I mean, when I want to relax and just take myself somewhere else, I'll sit down at the piano and play something. Mm. And I think part of that song is me dealing with the grief from losing my father. I really, if you listen to the song mm -hmm. and, and people tell me they, they don't even know my story, anything about it, they'll sit and listen to the song and they'll say, I sit there and cried like a baby. I do not know why. Well, and I, the first time I, I heard it, I was just like, I was moved by it. And I did feel like there was something where I had heard it before. It is, and, and everybody have no fear. You know me, I'm going to, I'm going to ask him to give us a little, but before we go into that, you, um, you called it Rachel's song. Rachel's song, because two years after I wrote the tune and we couldn't come up with a name for it. We had a, our friends of ours had a baby girl named Rachel, and we were asked to be her godparents. Mm -hmm. And it was at cr Rachel's christening service that Linda and I were sitting there at this little country church up in out in the country in New York. And it was on a Saturday. And it was just us and the family and the minister in this little country church. And up at the front of the church on the platform was a baby grand piano. Well, Linda and I are sitting there as just, you know, we're the godparents. We're just to be there and be supportive of the family and of Rachel. Toward the end of the formal part of the service, I looked at Linda and I said, hey, what about if I don't, what if I played this song now that we've been trying to think of a name from for the last two years? What if I played it now as part of the end of this service? And she said, wow, I think that's perfect. So I went up and asked Rachel's parents if it'd be okay if I played this song on the piano or a song on the piano. And they said, yes. I walked over to the piano and I sat down and I played this song. And about halfway through it, I hear the <clears throat> clearing of the throat and 
few sniffles here and there in the audience, and I noticed that I was having a few little moisture coming out of my eyes at, at the time. You know, a, a christening service is tender anyway. I mean, there's nothing sweeter than a little baby boy or girl and their, their, their blessings, and it's just the beginnings of a new life and everything. So at the end of the song, I looked over at little Rachel being held by her mother in her arms, and I said, from now on, this song will be called Rachel's song in her honor. And okay, I hope everyone out there that's listening just got chills because my hair on my arms is like standing <laughs> up. <laughs> Love so that. So that, it, is, it was just the name and the song. It just was like it was meant to be. And it has stuck that way ever since. And, and now it's been heard and played millions of times all over the world. I don't know how many little babies have been born and named Rachel because they love that song, their parents loved that song. This bit, people have been married to this music. I, I actually had to create the sheet music for it because people wanted to play it. And then it got played in weddings. You know, people, mothers would come down the aisle to Rachel's song. And I've even had a couple of one of the most popular songs of all time. I mean, this this is absolutely gorgeous. Is there a chance that you would be willing to share some of it with everyone listening? I would be happy to do that. And what I would like to do yes. <laughs> is play a video that I made many years ago because uh, I'm a photographer. Also, I love photography. And, I, and I've gotten over 50,000 letters from people over the past 40 years about the, my music and mainly about Rachel's song. Mm. And I took some of the most really special quotes from some of those notes and letters mm. and put my photography and then my music playing underneath it and made a YouTube video of Rachel's song. And so if you will allow me to share my screen I will be happy to play a minute or so. We won't play the whole song. It's three minutes and 45 seconds long, but we'll play part of it. Maybe we could play half of it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let me, let me share the screen here and go to my desktop and see if we can get this thing going here. All right. Let me go to full screen mode. So you don't have to see all this other extraneous stuff. And for those of you that don't realize that we actually record both the audio and video, you can check it out on our YouTube station over at the Relaunch Co. on YouTube. And you can actually see the Touched by Music of Rachel's song video that he's talking about. But for those that can't get over there right this second, please take this opportunity to just pause and just listen. Listen to this gorgeous music. All right, here it goes.
Kelly. I mean, the tears started to flow down. I'm like, oh no, don't start, Hillary. <laughs> oh, that was gorgeous. And I love the words that came up on the screen. And for those that um, did not see them, there are, you know, wonderful accolades to Dave and the song. And one was at the very beginning that it said something about that the song literally wraps around you. And it does, it gives you like this hug, this comfort and teachers are, you know, grading papers and, um, <laughs> you know, recovering alcoholics or, you know, it gives them hope. And it, it just, I mean, I wish you could see the hairs. <laughs> Like, oh, that was wonderful. And wow, that was such a treat to hear that. And so when it started to take off and when it started to be this like massive phenomenon and what, what did you think about that? And what type of, you know, at this point you're like, my gosh, I'm now, I'm now officially, I've been anointed a, a this wonderful global musician. Well, the, the feedback that I got from, and it did get played on the radio a lot, every easy listening radio station back in the late eighties, if you were anywhere in the country that had an easy listening station, you probably heard Rachel's song because it was played all over the whole country, even in airports or on an airplane. I was on Piedmont Airlines one time and I got on the plane and there's my music playing. So it was everywhere. <laughs> and the feedback that I started getting was affirming. It was confirming that I was doing the right thing and that this was special and it was a gift. I really felt very, and I still do feel strongly that it was a gift that I am, I would be remiss if I just kept it to myself and put it under a bushel basket, as you say, with the metaphor. Um, so I felt strongly from all these many notes and letters like you saw on the screen there from people that they didn't know me. They didn't know anything about my background, but they knew they heard my music and my music touched their hearts and souls. And that was my became my mission then to create more music like that and to spread it as far and wide as I possibly could. And that took a, that was a long journey. And that was indeed a relaunch of my career. My career was going to be nothing but you know, a wonderful job of maybe 30, 40 years at AT&T, which Western Electric became AT&T later. So that was going to be my, my career. But this, this music overtook that and it launched me in a, on a much higher trajectory and a higher plane to the point where in 1992, I had to have lunch with my boss at AT&T and say, Bill, I am sorry, but I have I cannot work here anymore. I have got to get on with God, what God put me on this planet to do. And he Bill is is still a good friend. I mean, he, he was under, he understood. He knew about my music. He loved my music. And he, in fact, he said, Dave, I wish I could join you. <laughs> he said, but I've got to stay here and do this. And my quitting my job that day, we were going through a downturn. He said, Dave, you don't know this, but you just saved one of my employees' jobs. He said, I was about to have, have to let so-and-so go. And he was a young kid with a family. And he said, you just saved his job because now you're going to be voluntarily going and I can keep this young man on the job. So, you know, things just work out, you know. Okay. So there are a lot of people in today's world that are thinking that they have a passion, a purpose, and they are scared to make that step because of financial reasons, obligations. 
And what advice would you give them um, now that, you know, you've had the experience and you've had the ability to look back on it? What would you say to someone right now who's thinking about making such a drastic move? Well, sometimes you do have to make a, a not a blind leap, but you have to go on faith. Sometimes you can't. I had the I had the luxury of having this was in 92. It was from I recorded Rachel's song in 96. So I had six years of building my music business up to the point where I was selling tapes and CDs through gift shops all over the country. And that was where my income had really more than doubled what I was making at work. Well, those that makes it an easy decision. So I know there are people out there that are in a position, though, where it's not that easy. You know, you're at a position where maybe your your uh, your side hustle, as some people like to call it, is not quite there yet. And you're, you're struggling with, you know, when will I know that it's time to let go of my 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 crutch, my, my main job over here and do what I really want to do with my with my entrepreneurial side of myself? That's a tough decision, and only the person that's there can make that decision. But my advice is that you work your tail off to get what your entrepreneurship job or your uh, your part-time job, get it to as, as successful a model as you can before you have to decide, I'm going to quit my job and do this full-time. Oh, that's that a tough, that's, that's, you know. That's great advice, and I want to reiterate what you just said. Your feelings are that you don't, you don't, you know, just kind of just throw everything into it and say, I'm, you know, on a women a, a prayer. You're like, okay, let's just do this. You're like, get yourself into that position where potentially you're doing both of them. And when you start to see real success coming with the side hustle, as you said, that's when you can say, all right, I'm now at a point where I can do that. Mm-hmm. And you have to be real with the numbers. Sometimes people get so enamored with their great idea that they they think it's just going to light the world on fire. They they kind of lose perspective of what reality is. You know, this is a tough world out there right now with inflation and going like wildfire right now. And, you know, you know, we're heading probably toward a a recession, if not worse. And so times can get tough. And so you need to not try to fool yourself into thinking things are rosier than they are. Be realistic. Look at the numbers. And in fact, don't just rely on yourself. You need to surround yourself with people who will be honest with you and also people who will support you and build you up and help you move forward. And and the thing is, you don't have to most of the time, I'm going to say all of the time, you never have to enter into something all by yourself. You bring along with you your family and friends, your support team, and the, the people who are going to be your uh, arms around you and move you ahead and keep you keep your head on straight. And also people when say, you know, well, Dave, now you shouldn't do that. OK, all right, I'm listening to you and you should do this. OK, well, you're not going to know everything. Hmm. You know, I don't even profess to know everything. I, I couldn't go into a studio and record a fantastic album like Gary Prim did, the artist that I used in Nashville. That's his expertise. I write the songs and he arranges and performs them. The team makes it work. So you gather around you whatever you need for your your venture. And then you can see and keep the keep the numbers and, and basically have a business model. Make sure you have a model 
of something that works. Make sure the numbers are working. You know, your income has got to be greater than your expenses or <laughs> it's not going to work. Idea, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a really novel idea. But, you know, you've got to keep the numbers and, you know, to not make it so impersonal. But the numbers are what we we live on. You know, you can't go into a bank and cash a smile. You, you have to <laughs> you have to have something besides a smile to cash at the bank. That is so great. And you know what? That's so important to say because sometimes we think, well, if we quit the job, if we pit, you know, quit that, then I'll have more time to really focus on it. But until you see that people want to pay for whatever you are trying to create, until you know you have proof under your belt that mm-hmm. yes, people want what you like and what you're selling and all this, then you can go ahead and say, all right, I think that this might yep. be. And I would even go as far to say, you know, at that point, when you're about to really make that massive decision to, to leave a corporate job or to leave what you were doing in terms of your paid salary, um, I really would suggest sitting quietly, turn on Rachel's song in the background and just, you know, just listen to it and, and hear what comes to you. And give yourself that extra nudge to really lean into your own intuition and ask yourself that one question is right now the right time. Is it? Yep. Right. It? And, and it's amazing what, when you do that and when you're, and I love this song so much when you listen to it and you, you ask, you know, for guidance, this is what I need to know. And, and mm-hmm. be aware, be aware that you're going to get some guidance. Yeah. <laughs> and, you may and, not, and, sometimes you may not like what you hear, but you you're, you're, you need that advice. And Absolutely. yeah. Well, this has been so incredible. And I have to say, you know, what a legacy that this song will be forever for you. And I think people right now are, are, are struggling with, you know, how to create something impactful and a legacy. What advice would you give them? on creating something meaningful? I would say that people need to spend some time thinking about and recognizing, and maybe in some cases, discovering their own gifts. Every person on this planet has a gift of some kind. It may not be a gift of composing music or painting or writing or public speaking or whatever. It may be the gift of being a great caregiver. You're, you're a, the kind of person that can take a, a person that's down in the dumps and then in 10 minutes you can have them smiling and laughing. That's a gift. So everybody needs to discover and, and water and nourish their own gifts. And sometimes those gifts can turn into a career or a, a second career or whatever. Oftentimes not, but that doesn't diminish the, the importance of those gifts, but recognize and enhance and, and feed your own gifts. And the best thing about a gift is you can give it away. The more you give it away, the, the stronger it becomes and the, the, the more you receive. So, you know, I, I think there's a verse in the Bible, it's better to give than it is to receive. I mean, it's, that's true. And so... Find your gift, enhance it, and give it away, and follow your 
your beliefs and follow your your intuition and be open to listen to the voice that's inside your head and your 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 own motivations and who knows where you'll go some people are going to go into business some people are going to go into services some people are just going to be wonderful friends and relatives and support people for their family and or their church or their community there's nothing wrong with any of those things and so that's really my advice i'm i didn't mean to get on stump and start preaching at somebody but <laughs> that's how i feel about that i love that you know you look inside yourself and figure out you know we all have a gift and then the best part of what you said is then be willing to give it away and it's like the boomerang effect, right? The more you give your gift away, the more you will receive. It's so incredible. I call it when I'm working with clients, I call it the G zone. What is that great zone that you have that gift zone, that growth zone, that gratitude zone. And sometimes I get, I don't know if I have anything. I don't know if I have that G zone. I'm like, oh, the good news is everyone does. <laughs> we all do. And we will work on finding it. And a lot of times it's just asking somebody, asking somebody in your circle that, you know, hey, what do you, you know, what do you think is my G zone? And mm -hmm. then listen. Mm -hmm. Listen to what they say. And all of a sudden you're like, geez, one, it makes you feel darn good. But two, I it also leads you down that path of like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I am good at that. So Dave, how can people stay connected with you, hear more about what you are doing and get, and get their own copy of the Rachel song? Well, it's really simple. If you remember my last name of Combs, C-O-M-B-S, just go to combsmusic.com. And when you get to my homepage, you're on the left you'll see a picture of my book. And if you like these, some of these stories that we've told today, there's a ton of these stories in my book, which I've, its title is Touched by the Music. And it's how the story and music of Rachel's song can change your life. And the foreword to my book was written by Jack Canfield, which is another story how I met and became friends with Jack. But he is a wonderful supporter of Rachel's song and my music and a good friend. He wrote the Oh, yeah. For those that don't know Jack Canfield, which I would be surprised, but in case you don't, I want to make sure he <laughs> is, uh, chicken, chicken soup for the soul. He is the co-author of the chicken soup for the soul series. He has sold more books with that series than any other author alive. Over 700 million books have been sold that have been authored or co-authored by Jack. He is an unbelievable person, and I know you 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 would love to talk with Jack. And he is a wonderful, dear, giving. Talk about somebody giving. Jack is the epitome of somebody giving it back. He yeah. is helping folks like me and and fledgling authors all over the world to reach their dreams through their their skills and their gifts. Wow! But go to my website. Go to combs combsmusic .com, and on the left you'll see the book. And on the right-hand side of the website, you'll see a picture of the cover of my album, Rachel's Song. And underneath, underneath the book and underneath the, the album are links that will take you to Amazon where you can purchase the CD or the book or download the, uh, the MP3 files of the music and, or listen to streaming if you're an Amazon music subscriber. You can buy a paperback book. You can buy an e-book, a Kindle book. Or you can, if you're an audible person, you want to like these uh, audio books, you can buy an audible 
version of my book and listen to me read it to you for eight hours. It take, took me eight hours to read my own book out loud. But, but I love that you did that. I'm just about to do that with my book. And I'm thinking, oh, eight hours. I'm not sure. I, I talk a lot, but eight <laughs> hours, we'll have to wait and see. But David, well, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. Well, it has been a real pleasure for me, too. This has been long in, in the making, but I think it was worth it. It really was. I do, too. Thank you again so much. And until the next show, everyone, live now, love now, relaunch now. And I look forward to seeing you back here again next week. Take care. You've just heard another episode of the Relaunch Podcast. If something shared in this episode resonated with you, please head over to iTunes right now and leave us a five-star review. And share this episode with others to inspire them to take the small steps that lead to a life full of purpose and possibility. And remember, you can have immediate access to the show notes and any giveaways at therelaunchco.com backslash podcast. Until next week, now is your time to relaunch your transition into a transformation.